back to the improv teachers. This is the podcast where I talk to teachers about teaching improv. And like I said, I am your host, Lauren Morris. This month, I'm really excited. I got to talk to Andy Perkins. He is such a wonderful, fantastic human being. He was just at the Baltimore Improv Festival. And actually, when this is being released, he's on his way to the Detroit Improv Festival. So if you see him, say hi, give him a big hug. A little bit about Andy is that he began teaching as a graduate student while pursuing his MFA in acting at Purdue. While there, he designed and taught a semester-long foundational improv course. Since then, Andy has moved back to Kansas City, Missouri, where he teaches acting and improvisation for multiple theater companies, including, it's a long list, y'all, the Heart of America Shakespeare Festival, the Kansas City Repertoire Theater, the, I'm going to mess this up, the Coterre Theater, the KC Improv Company, and his own independent workshops. He has also taught for Avila, Park, and Purdue University as an adjunct professor. He has traveled to teach improv for OKC Improv, Comedy Sports Buffalo, the Detroit Improv Festival, the San Diego Improv Festival, Trill Comedy Festival in Houston, and workshops in Shalon, Washington. Like I said, Andy also has a podcast called MC Who. Uh, the way Andy explained it is that they talk about other characters in the MCU, which is the Marvel Comics universe, and make movies for them and then improvise these movie trailers. And it sounds amazing and wonderful. And I think you should check it out. And it's going to be in the bio. There'll be a link. So do all that stuff. But for now, let's sit back. Let's listen. And thank you so much for taking a listen. And here we go. I'm Lauren, and this is The Improv Teachers. I start all my interviews off with, do you remember the first class you got to teach? I, uh, I do. And it was actually, so it was in college. I was going to grad school at the time and it wasn't, it wasn't actually an improv class. It was an acting class. Um, and so I was, it was my first year of grad school. I was getting my MFA in acting at Purdue and part of going to grad school was also teaching. And so that we had like a week of training and then they were just like, here you go, here's your own class. <laughs> and so I, you know, I just had to keep reminding myself and especially at that time too, you know, I was just maybe a little bit older than most of my students and some of them were even older than me. So I, there was that intimidation factor that went into it all, but I just had to keep reminding myself like, I do know more than they do. Uh, so like, that's why I'm here. Uh, so that really helped me kind of get through the, at least that first semester. And then from there, I was able to, you know, reflect on what did, what went well, what needs improvements, um, and just start kind of piecing together, um, my teaching philosophy moving on from that point. But yeah, it was, it's kind of like a trial by fire sort of situation. <laughs> yeah. That's how, I mean, uh, for grad school, uh, it was a different, like at that point I was, it was a different, like I was completely not. I was doing arts outside of grad school, so my grad school stuff wasn't, but yeah, they also did the same thing. They're like, you got to go teach. Right. You learn to, you learn to teach pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, fun fact, I don't know if you know this, but my first two years of college were at Indiana University. In oh, so we're supposed to hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep that in mind for our future interaction with this. <laughs> right. right, you boiler maker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so we're gonna we'll fill in the blanks, but I like to fast forward of like, what are you doing now, teaching wise? Yeah. So now uh, I just recently uh, taught level three at uh, our local. Uh, I'm in Kansas City, so the KC Improv Company taught level three uh, with them. 
um, that was just kind of like a guest teacher, uh, not part of the, the company there, uh, but they were looking to find some other teachers, I think. So I did their level three, which is uh, basically intro to scene work. I have uh, a question for you on that. Uh, sorry, yeah. Um, so how does that, because you're a guest instructor, do they, do they know you already? Do they require you to do some training because it's under their umbrella? What does that look like? Um, so I, I, I'm a, yeah, I'm a former member of the company. Um, and then, and so I had done some training with them prior, um, as far as teacher training goes. Um, but I think also like I've been teaching a lot in the community as well. Um, and so I think they, they felt comfortable just kind of bringing me on. And then as long as I was like adhering to the curriculum that they had, um, being able to like, kind of still do my own thing with the class, but go make sure we're covering the things that need to be covered in a level three class. Right. Okay, cool. Sorry. Okay. I didn't mean, I just was curious about that because, um, you know, a lot of places, unless you're internal and, mm -hmm. and it's not a one-time workshop. Right. So. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah and I think yeah, that I was really kind of a, a special circumstance too. I think they were maybe, uh, short staffed at the, at the moment. So they're like, Oh, we need another teacher. Um, so I kind of crept out of the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And then what else? Okay, sorry. So what else are you doing? You're because you're you're popping around the country and doing all that good stuff. Yeah, teaching for different festivals. Uh, I taught for the San Diego Improv Festival earlier this year. Um, going uh, to Baltimore to teach uh, to perform and to teach there, and then Detroit uh, shortly after that. To uh, so looking for, and this will be my second time teaching for Detroit. Uh, so excited about that. Um, and I'm kind of trying to, I, I workshopped it here in town a little bit, but it's a digging deeper workshop. So it's really kind of um, scene work with a focus on um, finding and playing into the subtext. So not just leaving it as subtext, but bringing it out and actually using it to kind of juice up the scene a little bit and, and some of that, those emotional goodies that can be kind of buried underneath some things. I love that. I want to come take this workshop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, wait. Uh, so uh, for your workshops, uh, and you just, you just alluded to kind of, because I do this too, is like if I'm about to roll out a new workshop, I will workshop my workshop. Right. Uh, yeah. So uh, besides workshopping your workshop, what is your process for like these one-off workshops? Do you get inspired by an idea? Do you just go to like your standards? How are you creating them? Yeah. So it was, it's actually been a, a process kind of coming up with them because at first I was just like, anytime I would like be interested in producing or providing a one-off workshop, I was just like, oh, we'll just do like uh, some, like a character workshop and we'll just call it character or something like that. Like, That's not really, like anyone can provide a character workshop. So what am I, what, what can I provide that is kind of specialized or, or um, at least, you know, in the, the area or, or, or anything like that. And so I got to thinking about like my particular playing style and how I like to play and kind of figuring out, okay, if that's how I like to play, um, other people might like to play in that style too. And so I'll kind of create a workshop based off of the steps that we would have to take in order to kind of get into that playing style or to kind of enter a scene into that mindset. Um, so yeah. yeah and I'll, that's I, awesome. Yeah. So and particularly with like the digging deeper workshop, 
Uh, when I was in grad school, I got two years of Meisner training, which was great for acting, but just invaluable when it comes to improv. Um, so I'm, I, there's, there's not a way to kind of take those two years and put them into two hours. Uh, but I've, I think I've created some kind of cool exercises um, to be able to at least cut to the chase a little bit when it comes to Meisner work in improv. Yeah, I think that... Um... Uh, whenever someone asks me about Meisner, I'm like, the easiest way for me to describe it, and it doesn't do it any justice, so don't get mad at me, everybody. Oh, but uh, in terms of improv, it's like you're yesing and not anding, right? So, like, you're going to, like, learn this and part of it. But it really, there's so, but, like, it's so good for people to get comfortable doing the technique and the exercise mm -hmm. and understanding what it does bring forth. Um, yeah, my, my duo partner, Alex, is in love with it. He also has created like some exercises that he then put, he asked me to put like into his classes that he teaches. And I'm like, yeah, cause that's not, that's never going to hurt anybody. Like, right. right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you two are going to have to compare notes on that. So I, I love, I, that's awesome. Um, but so you're talking about like finding really your own voice and point of view, both as a teacher, but you also had to do that as a performer first. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, I don't know, I'm curious, do you think that, do you think one is easier to find than the other? Do you think that they both sort of live together? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I yeah. think, <laughs> I think <laughs> it would probably be uh, coming, kind of discovering your voice as a performer first, maybe, but also like teaching and performing are two different skill sets. Um, but I think if you can kind of discover your your voice or your, your style, if you want to call it that, as a performer, then it helps to at least clarify where you're coming from as a teacher. Um, so that you have like, okay, if I watch a scene, then I'm going, I'm probably going to be looking for these things specifically, just because that's how I tend to play as well. Um, and so the notes I give or the exercises that I do or the games that we play are all going to kind of be focused towards that while still, I mean, it's, it's very similar to performing as well. Like, yes, I play in a specific style, but I also kind of want to do things that stretch my muscles in different ways. And so then also as, as a teacher, yes, I teach in this specific style or I'm always looking at these certain things, but I also want to be able to stretch myself in other areas and expand uh, what it is that I'm able to cover. Yeah. I, um, I agree with that. Uh, sorry, I just going to point up in my driveway. I'm like, who, what, what are you using? Uh, I think you're using, I know, right? I think you're using my driveway as a turnaround. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this will be fun for everybody. Uh, <laughs> so I think, yeah, um, for me, I think what, like when I watch teachers, like because I train our teachers uh, at Adlib. So what I, when I watch them starting to grow as teachers, um, I think, one thing that helps them because they don't necessarily know their voice as a teacher yet, mm. and they may just be figuring out who their voice is as a performer, um, is just that like when I do have them go teach, I don't have them teach like workshops they've created and having them teach that curriculum we have. Mm. And so they're teaching from the specific philosophy of the theater, which I think helps them start to learn their voice because they're, they start to have to think about how they're playing under that philosophy, if they're, right. especially because they're, if they're on one of our teams. Um, which means then that they are playing in that style on an ongoing basis, which then also can help them be like, oh, I didn't know about that about that about myself. Now that I'm teaching this, I see why I give this note, or I see why I'm teaching this way. 
so I think there's like some benefit in like you can learn through that. Um, but yeah, I definitely think like the skill set also because a lot of us say right, you can be and again not trying to shit on anyone, but you can be an amazing performer and not a great teacher. Mm-hmm. And you can be a great teacher and like a solid performer, but not necessarily a superstar performer. For sure. Uh, yeah. So there's definitely different skill sets uh, in there. Even if you are like a, a begin, well, I would say as a beginning teacher, probably one of the most daunting things is like creating that lesson plan. It's like how I'm, how am I going to fill this time? Like what, what am I going to do? And so I think having that provided, especially early on, is immensely helpful. And then it does. It kind of gives you a roadmap. Uh, where, okay, I get to look at this map and I look at the map enough where now I feel comfortable with it and pretty soon you feel comfortable with it enough that you begin to be able to kind of blaze your own trail, right, and make your own maps. Um, so I think that starting point is is b- very beneficial um, to just giving people the confidence to then be able to drive their own car for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, we want them to because we want them to, you know, it's really, uh, that's one of the reasons why um, when we got to the point that I could have more than one teacher, I started to do that because it's important for the students to have different vehicles uh, for, sure. for that, right? Because they just because I'm not for right, it's right, and it's it's connecting, and uh, you know you can say something twelve. 15 times and it never connects and then this other person comes in and says it once and they're like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, the one hand you're like, really? Because I've been saying that for a long time. Right, right, right. Sometimes it just takes that fresh voice to come in and be like, oh, I was zoning out that other person because I just, all I've heard was their voice for so long, but it just takes that one, that sometimes that one note or they just say it in a specific way that happens to resonate uh, with someone. Right. Yeah. And I also um, sometimes think, uh, you know, just that's why we try to get diversity in the classroom, too, because uh, we connect with the people who, like, look like us a lot of times or are coming from where we are. So, so like, a really young guy, the younger guys might connect. But, you know, that's why it's important to have everybody in the classroom, especially for Adler. We're pretty diverse um, just because of the nature of our community. So it's really important to, like, make sure that's also happening in the classroom for us. So it's something we work on. Uh, sometimes it doesn't always happen just based on availability. <laughs> right, for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, do you have like a favorite class or workshop that you teach? Um, <laughs> so digging deeper is quickly becoming one of my favorites. Uh, but prior, to, I know I talked about like the generic character workshop earlier, uh, but I did, I kind of modified it in a way where it did become a little bit more specific to, to me and, and my focuses. Uh, so it's called Strong Characters right now. And uh, it really focuses on what can I do as a performer for myself um, so that at the very top of a scene, I'm not sitting there going, what do I do? What is it? Who am I? What's happening? Uh, but you give yourself some sort of gift right away, whether it's physical or um, internal, um, to be able to give yourself at least a touchstone or something that you can say, okay, this is at least the starting point for my character. And that's all I need right now. I'm comfortable and confident in that. And once I have that, then I can check in with my scene partner and then just react to them through that lens or through that character. Um, So the first part of it is a lot of uh, like physicalization, a lot of physical choices, you know, leading with different body centers, um, doing different uh, quality, uh, walking qualities or movement qualities, like 
wide, narrow, fast, slow, tall, low, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then the second half of it is a bit more point of view focused, so more internalized. Um, I always have people fill in the blanks, like this is a world where, and you fill in the blank for yourself. So this is a world where uh, I'm everybody's best friend, or this is a world where um, there's danger around every corner, right? And by entering a scene with that kind of point of view, it's going to color all of your reactions to things. So you don't have to think about, oh, how would, how would I react to this? Or I don't know how to react to this. Because you just go back to your point of view and you say, oh, if danger is around every corner, then I'm going to be suspicious of everybody, right? And that's going to give me all the information I need to respond to anything that takes place in the scene. I love uh, this. So point of view is my favorite thing. Uh, um, so we don't do levels. We do focus uh, mm -hmm. at the theater. Uh, just again, every market's different. That's what works well for us. It just felt like we wanted it to like, we were like these, these focus seem to work or both sides seem to work best for long form because that's all we do at the theater. And mm -hmm. so we wanted to like just do that instead of being, I don't know, for me, like I, I'm always going against the grain anyways. Because for <laughs> me, like levels means, right? <laughs> for me, levels means that like, I feel like the students walking me like, well, if I'm on level three, everyone should be doing this sometimes. And then, right. but the journey's so, it's so everybody's own when you're a student. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody's own when you're an improviser anyways. Yeah. But it just felt, it felt better for us to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so for the longest time, I was the teacher who taught point of view because that was my favorite focus. But then we added a conservatory program so I'm on that now. So I had to give up my point of view and it's coming uh, around and I'm missing it a little bit. So, <laughs> uh, because that's, that's a lot about, that's a lot of how I play is that internal point of view on the world. Mm -hmm. And so once I like figure that out in terms of performing, the whole rest of the set is so easy for me. Right. Yeah, for sure. Like I know how, I know how this person makes decisions every time then, mm -hmm. because this is how I see the world. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I love it. Um, so with, let's talk about like classroom stuff. I always like to talk about like, do, do you, in workshops I think it's easier because you can tell people like, hey, just listen to me for two hours if you don't like what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> you can throw it away, whatever. <laughs> right. But in that classroom setting, sometimes it's a little harder. Uh, mm. Do you, um, do you find you get pushback? Do you set up a classroom so that pushback's not going to happen? How do you go ahead and like, how do you set up sort of that, like those expectations of what's going to happen in the classroom when you're doing a, a longer set of classes? Yeah, I think a lot of it, I, maybe I shouldn't, but I do put a lot of pressure on day one um, for myself. Like I put a lot of pressure on myself to say, okay, this is my chance to make my first impression, right? At, on for them to see who I am as a teacher and also kind of setting the tone for the class as a whole. Um, so I do think that day one is, uh, can be very important to kind of setting up what is to come, um, whether that's expectations or um, classroom safety or, um, you know, just like how, you know, imparting control to them as well. Like saying, if you ever want to call scene, if because you feel dangerous or because you feel pressure to do something you don't want to do, like feel that safety to call scene. Because I think especially in 
uh, in a classroom setting where there is like that teacher student relationship where it's like, okay, I'm not going to do anything unless the teacher says it's okay. Right. Cause there's kind of that implied, um, thought process that could be taking place. And so wanting to dispel that as early on as possible to say, you are in charge of your own autonomy of your own experience. So please feel free to call scene to, if you need to even remove yourself from the room for a while, for whatever reason, like you are in control of your experience. I am here to facilitate that experience. I am here to, um, you know, kind of shine the light on the possible paths we could take, but um, it's your journey. Um, you are here for whatever reason you're here for. And so I'm not going to stand in the way of that, uh, but I will help where I can. So it's, it's a lot of self-empowerment, I think, has a lot to do with, especially in improv as well, where you are, you are asking people to get up on stage with no plan, like you need to be able to self-empower. Uh, so kind of doing that or providing the opportunity to do that uh, for the students, I think, is incredibly helpful. Yeah, uh, agree 100%. Has anyone ever stopped the scene? Um, <laughs> it happened once, but it wasn't because they felt uh, in danger. It was just because they couldn't think of what to say next. Uh, so that ended up being, uh, sorry, I just bumped the table there. Uh, that ended up being kind of a, a teaching moment where we said, okay, let's dissect that then a little bit. So if you didn't know what to say next, what can we do maybe earlier on in the scene or how can we approach a scene in a different way where we're not maybe having that self-talk of abandoned ship. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know. I love it. Cause that's happened. Like that's what, whenever I ask people like, have you had anyone stop seeing? Not for the reason you think it's always right. because like, I don't want to do this anymore. I got, right, cause, right. Not cause I'm scared, but I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, well, wait a minute. That's, <laughs> that's a whole different issue. Yes, yes. Um, uh, did have, uh, I did have another experience though. It just, it came back to me uh, where uh, a student had just very recently actually lost a, uh, a pet. Uh, very, it was very shocking and very surprising. They, they weren't uh, expecting that. And a scene that they were in happened to kind of start to veer in that direction and it ended up being a bit of a trigger. Uh, so they did have to remove themselves from, from the room for just a little bit of time. Um, but because they took that time, they were able to come back to class. We did uh, kind of just a quick silly uh, game to kind of, you know, clear the air. Uh, and right, everyone right. was able to kind of get back focused to the task at hand uh, after we had like just a, a brief talk about, you know, that's perfectly fine that that happened. Uh, we had a brief conversation about it and we were able to move forward. Uh, so yeah, it happens. Yeah. It does happen. It happens in live, it happens in uh, live shows too, where you're like, well, shit, I got to push through because I'm a professional. People paid to be here. So <laughs> you know, like, um, I, I, like, I personally was in a show, I don't know, a couple of months ago and like my own personal anxiety had been super, it was just super high for a variety of reasons. And um, the word we got was trigger. And so, and one of our, and one of my teammates started our organic opening with emotional triggers. And I was just like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> success here. <laughs> oh, my, uh, all right. And then, like, know. yeah. So push through and do it. And then, uh, you know, thankfully, I'm at the place where I can compartmentalize pretty well. But, <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> right. With that brief moment of, like, oh, damn it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, 
do you um how do you handle when like if it even comes up of like uh because again 90 percent of the time people aren't making these choices maliciously they're being freed for the first time but like if something was racist or misogynistic or sexist mm -hmm. are you are you the teacher who stops the scene right away and has a conversation are you the teacher who lets it go out and let them get really uncomfortable like what's your what's your approach on that yeah i think it's it's best to kind of stop it right when it happens just so we don't have to like wait first of all stop it right when it happens because it's probably making the other person in the scene uncomfortable um and you know you don't want to allow that to continue um but then also it's that idea of okay if we're going to talk about it now or call it out right now then it's also kind of being you're shining that light on it right away so it feels more immediate and it feels a bit more potent to be able to and a bit more memorable i think for the person who maybe did that um and so and whether they you know had any intention or not it's still a good conversation to have um especially in a classroom setting right like i if if people are going to do those things um you know maybe it's just out of you know thoughtlessness or whatever reason it is uh like let's have those conversations in the safety of a classroom where we can say like when you said this it might have made your partner feel this, or it might have made the audience feel like this. Um, and you might not be aware of that. So let's talk about that a little bit so that we can not make those mistakes uh, or go to those places in a performance when we do have, you know, a full house of people. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of stopping it also. I think for newer teachers, they all, they might also get a little like, oh no, it's, kind of scary and so you know um on my end i try to mitigate that by training and like running simulations of like here stop it That's here's great. the language to use right so that again like you said they have that map and then in time they'll be more comfortable stopping and using their own language of the mm -hmm. conversation and being able to connect it with their own experiences but at least there's some like there's a way to get there for people because yeah. kind of improvisers like don't like confirmation What's that? Sorry. Uh, no, I was, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that that kind of goes back to that same idea of self-empowerment too. Like it goes for, for teachers, especially like beginning teachers too. Like they don't necessarily feel like, oh, I can stop a scene and talk about, or I, maybe I don't have the language or I don't have the experience to be able to talk about this sort of thing. Um, and so being able to, yeah, provide that script to provide that roadmap for uh, a teacher is, is empowering. Uh, because then they can rely on that until they are able to have enough experience to develop their own. So yeah, I think that's a great approach. Yeah, and I would say like also improvise in general hate conversation. Like uh, mm -hmm. for people who communicate all the time on stage, terrible. Come on, guys. What is that about? <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Mm -hmm. um, do you, <laughs> what do you, um, what do you, well, first of all, because you've taught both leveled and workshops, I, I know I asked you about your favorite workshop. Do you have a favorite, like, level? Like, do you have a favorite, like, experience level of an improviser that you're like, oh, I get to be with a person who's really, um, really, you know, really skilled and they're going to, this is a refresher, this is going to, you know, inspire them? Or do you like the student who's, like, so new that, like, ooh, I get to plant all these ideas? Yeah. Um, so, as far as leveled teaching goes, um, 
level three has kind of been it so far. Um, so I really enjoyed that because it was, you know, it was kind of uh, for that training program, the first big pivot into, um, you know, into, oh, we're taking this serious now. Like we're starting to give the hard notes. We're starting to really dig into some scene work here. Um, and so I really appreciated that. On the other hand, whenever I was teaching uh, in grad school, it was acting for the non-major. Uh, so it was just people like trying to fulfill a, an arts core credit, right? Uh, so they were just like, oh, what class do I want to take? Acting looks easy. I'll take that. <laughs> um, and so, but what I loved about that was the journey that then we as a class went on throughout the course of the semester. Uh, because then they did get to, well, there were so many aha moments. And I love those moments as a teacher where things start to click for them. Uh, and people are realizing, oh, there's actually like, a lot of work that goes into making this thing look easy. Um, and if, if that's all I can do as a teacher for, um, you know, people who don't want to go into acting or performing or, or theater as a career, then that's wonderful because then at least they can have that appreciation for it and become, you know, a big fan or a, a great audience member in the future. Right. Um, right. So I, I really do enjoy teaching and, and working with, um, I call them non-majors just because that's what they, they were back in college, but people who have maybe never have done it before and maybe have no intention in actually doing it in the future, um, but are just, uh, you know, whatever their reason is that they're there uh, and they're interested and right. they're figuring it out. I think that's a lot yeah. of fun. I used to, um, again, for a long time, I was doing this uh, very intro stuff because I loved, I loved all those like, oh, yes, 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 like all these new moments you have, right? Mm -hmm. And then as a teacher, there are times you're like, okay, I'm giving this for the seventh million time, right? Perfect. So you just need yeah, a break from it for a bit. Yeah. Um, but then the pendulum swings the other way and you're like, oh my God, if I see this person's habit one more time. <laughs> <laughs> so we go back to people who don't know anything uh, kind of thing, like that kind of stuff. Um, what do you, uh, how would you just, what do you think makes a good teacher? Um, I think someone who is, I mean, you have to be supportive in this, I think, in improv in general. Um, and that goes the same for teachers as well. So someone who is willing to, kind of go on whatever part of the journey you're on um, with you. So the teacher isn't just there to be like, okay, I'm here, I'm with you for the next two hours, or I'm here for, uh, you know, the next eight weeks, um, and then you're gone. But it's it's someone who, at least during that time, it's, it's living in the moment is, is what it is, essentially. Like, for this time, like, this part of your journey is important to me. And so I am going to be supportive and dedicated to this moment because it's important to you right now. Um, I also think you, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because there is a lot of parallels between being a good improviser and being a good teacher, even though the skills don't necessarily overlap, but also you need to be a good listener. Um, and so being uh, like watching a scene from the outside, but then also kind of being able to pinpoint, oh, you know, here's where maybe we could have, set ourselves up for success a little bit later on, right? I never want to be like, oh, I would have done this or I would have done that. But what we can say is, um, you know, maybe earlier on in the scene, if we had established maybe a stronger connection in our relationship, 
uh, we would have felt more comfortable a little bit later on. Or maybe if we noticed that unusual thing that popped up early on, we could have kind of dug into that a little bit more and allowed that to kind of feed the rest of the scene. Um, so it's kind of diagnosing a scene essentially and being able to say and, and impart that to the people in the scene so that they can make those discoveries of those moments there in that moment the next time it comes around. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that also, you know, and then that does go back to what I think is a really important skill set for teachers that improvisers don't necessarily need is understanding how to debrief and how to right. probe questions, right? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and how to lead, and lead with questions that are open-ended and, and Socratic and method, if you will. Because, and that, that is a skill set that, um, that takes some time. And also the other skill set I think that takes time is the teacher um, being like, and, and I don't think people, I don't ever think people do it. Well, uh, my experience has they haven't done that uh, on purpose, but like, oh, here's what I would have done. Cause it's not like, no, that's not what you would have done. It's, it's you figuring out, oh, here's what I and the choices I would have made are because of what are the skills underneath that we're working on, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's learning the language of like, not here's what I've done, but like, like you said, like, hey, this would have set you up for success later on in the scene. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's, yeah, so it's really understanding also the, you know, the modalities that you're using to get to success, even though it's improv and it's an art form and it's subjective. Right. Yeah, there's still a skill set. But if you're playing, like if you're playing a sport, like if you're playing basketball and you're a coach and one of your players misses the shot, you're not going to go, well, if I was playing, I would have made that shot. <laughs> let's work on some shooting techniques. Let's learn right. let's work on what we can do to become better shooters in the future. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, right. And so it's just applying that art on top of it. Like, let's learn, on, you know, like, yeah, let's, let's work on listening more. Let's mm -hmm. work on focus, right? Yeah, let's. Mm -hmm you know, being uh, emotionally available, vulnerability, all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, those are all skill sets, mm -hmm. you know? So, and I think a lot of times uh, young teachers don't necessarily recognize that those are skill sets, that it's not like a subjective thing. Those are mm -hmm. active skill sets that we can all continue to grow and, and get better at. Yeah, and I think the reason why it's maybe a little bit more difficult than other things uh, as far as noticing is because it is so kind of ephemeral, right? It's like, uh, you can't see some, well, I mean, you can though, you can see someone listening, uh, but it's based on how they respond to something. Um, and so like working towards that to be able to say, here are the exercises that we need to do, or here are the things that we need to look for in order to be better listeners to set ourselves up for success later. Um, but yeah, it's not like, it's not like dribbling a ball. So you do right. have to maybe be a, just a little bit more insightful as to recognizing progress and, you know, providing those stepping stones to get to where we want to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's, I, I try what I can in classes to be like, here's an exercise you can totally do on your own by yourself since mm -hmm. improv requires that other person so often right. and it's, it's difficult, but you know, um, so for example, when people sometimes uh, will will stop to think about what they're going to say next, mm -hmm. I'll say, you know, you can word associate on your own at all times. And if you yeah. ever find, and do it out loud, yeah. because if you find you're putting space in between the next word associating, then you're thinking. So push yourself to not put the space between there. 
Right, 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 right. Yeah, you know, something, something that I like to do um, at the top of a class, or even if I'm coaching, I'll do it at the top of a coaching set. Probably not if I'm doing a one-off workshop, just because we only have so much time, but a class or a coaching session, uh, I am, I'm asking them like while we're stretching, maybe during warmups, like just share one thing that happened to you over the past week since we last met or one observation that you made. It doesn't need to be like hysterical. It doesn't need to be epic. It doesn't need to be outrageous. It just needs to be something that stuck out to you. Um, and I love to get people thinking in that way because for me, that's what helps me on stage is being able to draw from my real life experiences. Or, um, you know, if I observed kind of, you know, another human interacting in a very particular way, um, you know, just kind of registering that and being able to draw upon that later. Um, so that it's not so much we are, we need to create, it's that we are just discovering in the moment, um, what about my experience can I draw upon right now? here and now to, and it, it comes, if we do that, it kind of comes from a more truthful place too. We don't have to feel like we're putting on anything. It's more of accessing certain parts of, uh, within us that are already there. That's why I personally am a huge proponent of um, spending time off stage and outside of the theater, especially with duo work, mm -hmm. um, so that we are carving out time to have either meaningful conversations or meaningful interactions because that will help us draw from the experiences when we're on stage yeah. versus the only time we see each other is in rehearsal and the only thing we talk about is improv. Right. And now <laughs> both of us are like, right, now we're like, oh, we got to invent a bunch of stuff versus, mm -hmm. um, oh my God, we just, you know, had this experience together of something and we learned that both of us, I don't know, right? Like, oh, both of us, have been on battleships. I'm making this up, but you know what I mean? Right. Like, and then, <laughs> like, uh, but then all of a sudden, like we can draw from these experiences. Uh, and I think those are super important. Um, and yeah, I love the whole idea of what you observe because it starts to train your mind to constantly be actively in the moment. Person, mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And letting ourselves, and that teaches us to be more mindful and mindfulness is so important. When we're live it. and on stage, yes. yeah. Uh, and and mindfulness is important when we're teachers too, because there's nothing that drives me more crazy than a teacher I can tell is zoning out. I mean, you just can't do it. Like in in improv, like there's no like there's no here. Take this quiz or take this test so that you can have a mental break, right? Right. And if you're teaching an improv class, you have to be 100% there 100% of the time. Uh, because just like we were talking about, it is so ephemeral, it is so subtle sometimes that you really do have to tune in, um, which is why it can be so exhausting sometimes, but it is just incredibly rewarding when you can kind of bring something up uh, to get someone to think like, oh, yeah, I do remember that moment, and I, and I had that thought, but then I let it go. And then that's when you want your kind of teacher voice echoing in the back of your head, like, notice that moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the for sure yeah 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 and, and um and that's also why like um i tell my students you know feel free to email me and if it's something really big and important you know i'll call some kind of class but i try after class to not it's not that i, I mean i'll talk a little stuff but i try not to like stay too long because i'm 
just mentally exhausted. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and so I'm kind of like, it's not that I don't want to listen to you or hear you or hang out or whatever. It's let's find a different time for that because I have just I've just been on for yeah. three hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's some self care that goes into that. Right. Yeah, I need to do some zoning now, please. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. So what do you do for yourself to keep your own skill set like sharp and keep learning and educating yourself? Uh, I keep taking workshops too. Like I think that's, I think you can't stop really. Um, No one is ever going to be the perfect improviser. No one's ever going to be just crushing every single set that they're in 100% of the time. Um, No matter how much we dream of it, it's not going to happen. And so I think we can, we can never get complacent, really. It's, it's, it's a continuous art form. Um, and so continuing to take workshops, um, you know, going to, to improv camp, <laughs> you know, and, and taking the workshops there at, at Improv Utopia, which is a blast. Um, uh, anytime you go to a festival, just, um, you know, there's workshops available there. And also just seeing a bunch of other shows from across the country is so inspiring because if you do, if you have your own community, then you're going to just see those shows, right? And you're going to see those formats and see those playing styles uh, and you're going to know them, which is great. Um, but it can just be so inspiring to see what other people are doing and the, and the way that they do them too. Um, so I love, I love traveling for improv because it does kind of open your eyes, open your mind, um, and you get to kind of treat it like a little buffet. And so I want to take this back home with me and I want to take this back home with me and I just want to gobble it up and share it with everybody else. <laughs> yes, I know. I love it too. Uh, I keep wondering, like, do you, like, I, I, I keep thinking like, oh, at this point I should be like, oh, I'm getting enough in and I still feel like I don't get enough in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that day's ever going to come, but that's fine. <laughs> Probably not, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, Right. If someone wanted to get started in teaching, do you have any advice on how to do that? I would say the next time you take a workshop or a class, take it for yourself, like to improve as an improviser for sure, but also kind of just always have in the back of your head, like what, why did they do that? Or why are they, um, why did they choose this exercise? And why did they choose that exercise after this exercise? What are we building towards? And just kind of start to think as a teacher would. Um, what I don't recommend is stopping class to have those conversations to like raise your hand and be like, why are we doing this? Because <laughs> uh, that will get old rather quickly right. um, for, for the rest of the students as well. Um, but if you do kind of just have that in the back of your head, then that's kind of a good way to start getting in that mindset and maybe just start to understand that. Um, but I guess, I mean, it would depend on the, the community and, you know, the people that you feel that you can speak to. But I would always, like, if it was someone that knows me or maybe even, like, doesn't know me, I would say, like, reach out to someone that you know is a teacher and just kind of ask them, um, you know, I have this lesson plan or I have this workshop idea or, um, you know, I just feel like teaching is for me and I want to give it a shot and just start asking for advice um, one of the reasons why I love playing in Kansas City is because it is um, a town where you can take action, right? There's not necessarily, um, there are like the big companies, of course, but then like, if you just wanted to do a one-off workshop, you could rent a space and just do it. 
uh, if you wanted to produce your own night, uh, you could just find a space and do it, um, which is a lot of fun. And it's also, again, it's empowering to be able to do that. Um, I would also say the, the like shadowing is, is important. And so that way you don't have to worry about, oh, I'm the one taking it. So I need to get out of it what I can, but I'm just here to observe and maybe have some sort of debrief session afterwards so that I, so that I can ask those questions of why did we do this? Why did you give that particular note? Um, I think each class needs to be cumulative. So we're kind of, we're always building towards, we're, we're working on skill sets that are building towards something that's going to take place at the end of the session, you know, whether it's um, scene work or, you know, some sort of group uh, experience, but whatever it is, we're kind of building towards that thing. And so at, if I was just starting out, I would want to ask those questions of what are we building towards? Like, what's our focus for this particular class? And why did we pick these specific exercise to get us to that point? Yeah, those are, those are great. Um, that's so important, right? Understanding where you're going and then piecing that together. Like that's, yeah. that's huge. It's, it's absolutely necessary. Uh, if people want to find you, if you want to be found. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind found sometimes. Uh, right, I know, right? Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, yeah, sometimes you're like, I don't want to be found. Okay, that's yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> so where can they do that? Uh, I am on Facebook as Andy Perkins. I'm also on Instagram as at APKCMO. Uh, I also am a part of a couple duo troops. One is called Tandy uh, and the other is called Snooze Button. Uh, and then I co-produce a monthly improv show called Indie Playhouse here in Kansas City. So any or all of those pages are things that I am at least associated with. <laughs> awesome. Do you have any uh, like last thoughts or any final Things that we didn't or anything else you just want to add? Um, <laughs> nothing I know of. Yeah, nothing that's yeah, coming yeah. right to my brain. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, then I did my job. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate that. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, thank you so much. Yeah, and great. We, thank you. All right. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Yeah.